0: Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom In Exodus chapter 12, and we started here last week again, because of the Lamb, because of the Lamb. And we started with an in the beginning thing, and and I've got to review that to to sort of hang that in our minds, but we're going to move rather quickly. In Exodus 12, remember I just told you, um Exodus 2 through 11 and if you were up up to 12 covers the 80 years of Moses' life but chapter 12 is the formal first thing bringing them out. Now I'm going to tell you what we're going to study for the next 4 weeks. We're going to study the four things that God sort of imprints on them and that is the lamb of God, worship, the word of God, and the confidence of the pledge of God's presence. Now, I'll reduce that to something a little more memorable. But this is our hope for the the new year that we go through it, that at every turn there will be a lamb. And he wants to establish for some reason that the lamb of God, this lamb, is the center of who they are. So let's pick that up in Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12 is what we know to be the Passover. The Passover is where they have now been in captivity for all these years. And God says, I'm going to bring you out. And here's what's going to happen. And this, this will be the beginning of years for you. So let's pick up Scripture. Now, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. And I want to review that. Everyone look at me. Egypt was a land of captivity. Please hear me. Is it not wonderful to know that God doesn't wait for us to exit our current place of captivity or limited mobility before he begins to speak to us about what's on the other side of that? I love that little poetic intimation. He says, God began to speak to them while they were in Egypt. God is here to speak to you today while you are, wherever you are, over and against where you hope to go and where you may hope to be. God is here today speaking to you today right where you are. That's the good news. Verse 2, this month shall be the beginning of months to you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. "...speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, on the tenth of this month, they are each one to take a lamb for themselves, according to their father's household." A lamb for each household. He would go on to say in the ensuing verses what they were to do. They were to kill it, take its blood, and they took the blood and painted it over the the doorway of their house. And God would go on to say, and that will be the Passover. I will pass over wherever I see the blood. And judgment will fall wherever there is not the blood of this lamb. And he went on to say in uh, verse 12. Jump there with me, then we're going to go back. Verse 12. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike down all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. Powerful, powerful statement. Now, why is that important? Because in the ancient Near Eastern culture, please hear me, these people had been in captivity for 400 years. If you want to broadly say a generation is 40 years then that means that 40 times whatever possessions had been owned by Egyptian household, the father would hand it to the firstborn son. The firstborn son would then grow in his generation to have a child, and the firstborn son would become the father, and then he would hand the possessions to the next firstborn son. And then the next firstborn son would become the father, the father would die at some point, and he would go on and on and on. Forty times there had been a handoff to the firstborn son of all the possessions, all the wealth, all the control, all the anything of that household. Now, why is that a problem? Because part of those possessions were the slaves. And those were the people of God. They were the possessions of the people who ruled in Egypt. Why is that important then when God says, listen, not only on this night am I setting you free from your past, but I'm extinguishing the potential of any voice that would rise in the future and say, I lay claim to you. Listen to me. This is not in my notes, but at the end of this worship service today, and should you feel inclined spontaneously to participate, you're welcome to. But right over here, we'll lift the curtain and we'll bring the, the baptistry out. And I know of two people at least, uh, maybe more, are going to be baptized in water. And one of the things that I will quote is a passage from Isaiah that said, The Egyptians pursued them. And this is, by the way, this is referenced in the New Testament, back to passing through the Red Sea. And it said, They passed through the Red Sea, Isaiah says, And it says, and the Egyptians followed. Remember? Those voices that say, "I'm going to reclaim what's mine," and that's what they were doing. I'm going to take you back and make you my slave. But when they pass through the Red Sea, the story tells, somewhere between the 14th and 17th chapter of Exodus, the water closes over the top of the Egyptians and vanquishes them. Now it's that event that, in the New Testament, water, God's word says, water baptism is likened unto those people who pass through the sea and into the glory, into the cloud of God's glory. Beloved, let me tell you something. There are voices in your past and voices in your life that says, you just wait. I haven't gone away. I'm going to reclaim you. I'm going to control you. You will never escape it. But God says as an act of worship in water baptism, and that's, by the way, we believe it is more than just getting wet in the name of God. We pray, believe, and sing that there's a spiritual event that takes place in that moment, and we pray this prayer. Father, may whatever has followed them in here, whatever voice that says, I will control you, and I will have the final word, I will reclaim you, I will always be an influence in your life. Father, as we just lay them beneath this water, as it well represents your death and your resurrection again, as it well, well represents that you have the final word on matters, I pray as the water closes over them. And as they step up out of this thing, may the water as well close over every voice and shut off every voice, drowning that voice never to rise again and may this person walk in deliverance. That's what we pray and believe happens at water baptism. That's a good place to do that and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. That was free. It's not in my outline. All right. He goes on to say in verse 25, When you enter the land, chapter 12 of Exodus, now we know this would be 40 years later. They didn't know this then. When you enter the land which the Lord will give you as he promised, you shall observe this rite. Observe what? The Passover. First thing. Now, if you turn forward to the book of Joshua, it says they crossed over the Jordan. Once again, waters parted. They crossed over the Jordan, got into that, and it said on that night they celebrated the Passover. And here's the principle. Amanda, if you could put that up, please. The lamb that brings you out and brought you through is the same lamb that has the power to bring you in and bring you to. I know that's long. You can shorten it however you want. But here's what God is communicating. The lamb that brings you out, he's saying to them, and brings you through and will bring you through, say it however you want, is the same lamb that has the power to bring you in and bring you to. That is an important, important, important Thing to burn on our mind. Now, that is why the I only stand because of the Lamb and why, at the beginning of the journey, he says, in order for you to get to the place of promise and survive a wilderness experience, let me just leap over on the metaphor here in 2019, if you do not have established a central to your mind that the first and foremost thing it takes is the Lamb. A Lamb. You say, well, what does that mean? That's still out there for me. Hang on, we'll get there, okay? Now, he says a lamb for every household. I told you I'd come back to that starting the first Sunday in February and every Sunday and then every Monday evening, every Sunday afternoon. There's one exception because I'm closing speaking uh, at at an event in the second February of the month and we can't get back here till about one o'clock or 2 o'clock, but um, from 1 till 5 o'clock in the afternoon, we're going to do something that was just burnt on my heart four years ago. And as I was standing right about there, I can remember where I was standing last week, talking about a lamb for every household. It was just quickened in my heart. Um, To meet with every household individually. And uh, Brenda and I, and then the, the, the staff, we hung out together. But Brenda and I would love the opportunity to sit with you to share in the table of the Lord communion that is you're going to see why that is a celebration of the lamb to celebrate the promise of the lamb of god in your lives and to pray about um god bringing the fullness of of those things a realization of that in 2019 to pray a blessing on your home why because this isn't a lamb for the church it isn't just a lamb for the world john chapter 3 would say that but he established right here he says what i want you to understand is this is a lamb for every home and here's the principle What God would do in the world or in a nation starts in your home, and it starts in my home. I want to say that as we read news of geopolitical this and that and one thing or another, there still is a voice that towers above it. And we waste far more time being concerned about what government or a party or a president does do or doesn't do rather than spending that energy in the presence of the one who can really change things. Hold on. You can say, oh, you're one of those religious pacifist guys. Not a chance not a chance. I'm all in talk about it, but that is not my source. That not who has the final word at the end of it all in my life and philosophy of living. It is the lamb of God. It is the God of heaven who is on his throne and can't be moved. And if we would spend as much time saying, Lord, I want you to start something in my home, start something in my home. We change the world by taking the lamb home. And so I want to meet with every home and say, Father, every husband, every wife, every father, every mother, every child, may the lamb be there. And here's what it will look like when that begins to happen. Because the lamb is very disruptive, um, as some of you have learned. Okay, let's keep going. Now, I I need to read to you. And this came because of the request of, of, um, actually, Tana said, I just need something brief, if you could write it out on exactly what a lamb for every home is. So I started didn't work out well brief is not usually what happens naturally for me but what it did result in is me sitting there with tears running down my face so forgive me if i don't people don't like to be read to and i don't read to you but i i I want to make sure we get this clearly so here we go you ready in exodus chapter 12 it tells the story of the end of over 400 years of captivity of the people of god god was now going to deliver them and bring them to the place that he had promised they would be theirs 400 years earlier. How many are thankful God does not forget? It was going to be a new beginning, it says. The verse we just read, it said, this shall be the beginning. It was going to be a new year. Even though the calendar under which they lived was different from that, and it was not the new year. The Egyptian New Year would not happen for probably another four to five months. So this was immediately sort of an act of rebellion to step up and say, This is our new year, when the voices of the calendar around them would say, No, the new year is still six months away. Said, nope, God said our new year is right now. Why is that important? Calendars inform us of what we can expect next. We depend on them. They contain appointments. They contain our schedule. They are, to some degree, a fixture of what has happened in the past and what we expect to happen in the future. The calendar is the reflections of the past and expectations of our tomorrow. Up to this point, the calendar for the people of God had been dictated by the voice of Egypt, the Egyptians, their captors. They had lived by a calendar of slavery and domination. But on this day, all that ended at least according to the Word of God. The beginning is used here. Last week we looked at where that word shows up, and interesting, the word beginning first shows up at the beginning. You're not four words into the Bible in Genesis chapter 1 where it says, in the beginning. Now, why is that important? In the beginning of, some, in the beginning of something is often referred to only in terms of time. And here's where Brenda and I spent some time discovering that. And she says, okay, be careful you don't get off into your little cosmological physics thing and lose the whole world. And I said, I'm there. She didn't say it quite like that. That's my way of rephrasing it, but I knew what she meant. Here we go. You're not laughing. That's not a good sign. That's a tacit implication of, brother, we know just exactly what the girl was trying to tell you. Okay, so... Anyways, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm going to turn and talk to myself. The the beginning of something is often referred to only in terms of time, but with God, that's very different. Why? The first place the term is used in Scripture is, well, the beginning. Every beginning certainly needs something to begin with. After all, how can you begin something if there's nothing with which you can begin? But we must know But what we must note is that when God shows up for a beginning, he doesn't need anything to make a beginning. I wrote little notes here. You can begin building a shelf, a bookshelf, made of wood. That's a beginning. But you need wood to build it. You can begin a new relationship, but if you're the only person on the planet or there's not another person you can say, I'm beginning a new relationship with this year. Well, who do you have on the radar? I I really don't have anybody. Then you're not going to begin a new relationship. Uh, You need something to begin with, to make something from something. And for it to have a beginning, you need pieces. Okay? The only thing that God needed was himself. Because you see, in the beginning, there was nothing. There was no time. There was no space. There was no matter. There were no subatomic particles. That's all I'm going to say about that. So then, with what would God begin? It says he began... By saying, let there be light. God began with his word. His word was all we needed for a beginning. And as he spoke, time began. Matter began to assemble into things. And he said, there it is. It is good. He spoke and it became. And so it is at another beginning in Exodus 12. As God speaks through Moses to a people who were conditioned by, 400, by a 400-year calendar of domination and oppression and slavery, God shows up and says, today is your beginning. But what did these people have to begin with? Nothing. 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 In fact, Hosea would describe this act in chapter 2, verse 23. God is speaking through the prophet and said, I will sow her for myself. Now you got to go back and read the whole setting context of it. I will also have where there's compassion. It is the exact word for mercy. That's important. So I'm going to replace it here. I will also have mercy on her on who had not obtained mercy. I will say to those who were not my people, "You are my people," and they will say, "You are my God." Years ago, I heard a, a pastor, the Hebrew guy, saying the actual phrasing here is, "They were a people who were not. They were a not people. A not people were nothing." We have nothing, we're not anything. We have no name, no status, no possessions. We're slaves. We live by a calendar of expectation that my tomorrow will be dictated to me by another voice, another force, another domination that will rise in the morning and say, go here and do that. You have no choice until God shows up. He says, today is your beginning. But God, we have nothing. Where then do we start? God says, let me start here. We're going to start with a lamb. I'm going to give you a lamb. Because what they would discover and what we discover is in the lamb is everything you need for your beginning. That is why as we start the new year, we're coming to the table of the Lord and say, what I need to start with is the lamb. What is interesting, Peter goes on to rephrase this. Now, Peter, 1 Peter, is in the second half of the Bible, the new covenant. And it talks about us, and he's speaking to us. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Here it comes. For once you, once me, once you... Were I not a people, you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received, here it comes again, mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amanda, if you'd put up that next little takeaway that I want imprinted. We know it. We've said it. That mercy is God refusing to accept any other opinion of me above his opinion of me. We've been saying that for years here. And most recently the last year again. That mercy, please hear me, is God refusing to accept any other opinion of me above his opinion of me. Why is it when God gives commentary on Exodus 12, Old Testament and New Testament, he wants to be sure and insert words that weren't spoken then, He wants to tell everybody, I did what I did because of mercy. What does that mean? He says, I did what I did because I came to Tom. I came to Hans, I came to Tom, to Brenda, to Mark. I came to you with my opinion. I had an opinion of you, and I don't care what opinion, your failures, your life, your substance, your action, I do not care what opinion they were making about you. I don't care what any other opinion was about you that had informed you to do stupid stuff. I don't care what opinion might have been spoken over you by a parent who abandoned you or someone who abused you that said, this is who you are, or your... Not normal, or you're not whole, or there's something wrong with you. He said, I don't care about any other opinion because when I come to the beginning of you that I declare, I don't need any other word but mine. All I need is my word, and all I need is my opinion. And that's how I reach out to people and say, Today will be the beginning. I come with everything you need. And the first thing he says is, I'm going to give you a lamb. Those people did not know what that was for or what it was about. A lamb? Great. I guess something to eat for a couple of days. A lamb? He said you're going to celebrate it when you move in. Today we're going to come to the table of the Lord. And as we do at the first of the year, there's no doubt people who are sitting here who are going to say, I feel like I'm coming with nothing coming with nothing. Don't worry, I need you to keyboard, I think. I feel like I come with nothing. Isn't it wonderful to know that God says, great, you're ripe. You're ripe to be a recipient of a new beginning. Because when I do new beginnings, I don't need anything you bring to the party. I don't need a thing from you. But you see, it doesn't just end there. I made a joke here that I wrote. I said, I'm going to prophesy to you about how 2019 will end. Are you ready? Here's a prophecy. You can stand on it. Quote At the close of this year, in 2019, we will once again discover that the possibilities of this year did not rest on my resolutions. <laughs> Or my resolve but on God's resolve of mercy toward me for a new beginning and at the center of it all is a lamb you see it doesn't it doesn't in there the first provision God makes is a lamb and then we turn over to the to the first page you want to read about the new beginnings in, in the book of John again you're going to get a precursor to tomorrow morning perhaps the gospel of John gives us a snapshot of beginnings he uses the same language albeit a different language but the same language in his gospel he tells us of the beginning as well, the beginning, uh, and, and as well as how any beginning will have a beginning. Listen to John chapter one. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Now he's speaking about Jesus Christ, and we know that, we've taught on it in the past. He's not talking about just the word, word spoken. And the word was God. He, the word, was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has any being. You say, there you are using that strange language. Don't blame it on me. That's the Bible. Who's at the beginning of it all? Well, before you get out of the chapter, well, who's he talking about? That's verse 3. You get to verse 29, John, gospel writer John, speaks of John the Baptist saying these words. He sees Jesus coming, and he says, the next day he saw him coming and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold, the new beginner. See, at every beginning for our life, God says, I am the beginner who will be there. At every beginning, I'm still the beginner. And what I will do with you from that point forward has nothing to do with the quality of your faith, love, or expression of the past. It does require repentance where there is sin to say, Father, I messed up. That's all he needs. All he needs. But I have nothing. As long as there is a Lamb of God, you have everything you need for a new beginning. I got to say, I was done there. And I was going to say, now people are coming to the table of the Lord. And I'm going to tell you the events of this morning that moved me to tears. My niece, Jennifer, found some old cassette tape recordings of my brother, Kim, singing. my brother's been dead 25 years next month. 1994, he died of AIDS. Went home to be with the Lord. He worshiped God until he could not stand any longer. He would come and sing and worship. And this morning I noticed an email pop up where Jennifer had found some songs. And They were singing an old choir song. I think it was by Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. It says, when redeemed, I shall stand. I had finished my outline at that point because I thought, okay, I've gotten enough. I've just got to say... John said, you have everything you need. And, of course, we know that the Lamb of God would himself have a last supper that consisted of some of these elements. And he would say, you need to understand that he was essentially saying, I am the Lamb. I am the sacrifice. I am that which purchases the possibilities of tomorrow. And then he would do a new thing. He'd say, now let me wash your feet because I want you to understand that the blood has the power to wash away the effect and residue of the path you walk to get here and it refreshes you to walk the path that's before you. So it's another powerful truth as we come to the table of the Lord. That As we come to celebrate this, it says we need to understand that the blood of Christ has the power to walk away, wash away all of our failures of 2018 or the last 10 years or 50 years. And so I'm listening to this song, and I'm, there's tears running down my face because actually it was Brenda and Tim singing a duet with the choir. And so two favorite voices I love hearing and, and hearing a recording I just did not know existed. And then they begin to sing the chorus. When redeemed, I shall stand over in that promised land. And with the mighty blood-washed throng, I will sing redemption song. I was sitting at my computer with my hands up. I will sing Redemption's song, saying, Worthy is the Lamb. I said, oh. Revelation chapter 5. I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book written on the inside and on the back, sealed up with seven seals. That's John, the same guy who wrote the gospel. (laughs) Whether he's transported, or having a vision, he now is standing at the throne of the Father, and the Father has... A scroll, his will, if you will, sealed up. The imagery is so beautiful because, see, God has intentions for mankind since before the foundation of the world. But if you will, at the close of the Garden of Eden in chapter 3, it never got opened, it was rolled up and sealed. And so John says, I saw a string, strong angel proclaiming a loud voice, Who is worthy? to open the book and break its seals. And again, beloved, the intimation is, who can possibly open that book so what is in it can come out and get to us the will of God? There's reason for saying that. No one in heaven or under the earth was able to open the book or look into it. Again, I could insert Tom's commentary here. It had been sealed up forever. That which mankind hoped to have or appropriate in the presence of God as he would walk with him in the cool of the day, by the time we get to the 13th verse of chapter 3 of Genesis God's will is withdrawn and it's sealed up and we don't ever know quite what it is until this moment John says then I begin to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or look into it Why why would this guy weep? He would weep because he said there's unrealized promise and potential that's been sealed up We need that so desperately. We have to have it. How can I get that? How can we get that it's cut off from mankind? And one of the elders who were around the throne said to me, stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book in its seven seals. And then I saw between the throne with the four living creatures. And that's a beautiful picture. I wish I had the power to animate that for 20 years. I want to show Jesus stepping in past the 24 elders around the throne, the horrible creatures, horrific creatures that are swirling around the throne, keeping everything out. And it says, but the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God, if you will, he steps in between them. And he says, I saw between the throne, the four living creatures and the elders, a lamb standing as if slain. Having seven horns and seven eyes, seven spirits of God and go out to all the earth. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 20 elders fell down before the Each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Why is that important? because there is no prayer that is more greatly answered than at the proposition that the goodness of God that is bound up in this book can now be open. Is there any other prayer that is prayed than that? Father, whatever's in that book, I need that to be mine. Whatever is in this will that is sealed up with seven seals, I need the will of the executor of the the, uh, initiator uh, released through the executor, which is the lamb of God. And the following chapters say, and he begins to pop the seals, but let's keep going. He says, they fell down, each one having a harp and golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints and they sang a new song saying worthy are you to take the book and break its seal for you were slain and purchased for god with blood from every man tribe and tongue and people and nation let's skip to verse 12 it said that they looked and saw other things but then again saying with a loud voice here it comes worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory And I'm going to add, and to open, that it said, and you can open the promise of God to me. Beloved, please hear me at the front side of the new year. Your beginning is this. Your beginning is this. It is the Lamb of God. It is the Lamb of God. (laughs) This morning I started pinning a song. I think it'll make sense here and that's why John began to weep and then he began to rejoice with all of them. When every voice around me tells me what when every voice around me tells me what I am not and that I have no grounds on which to stand there is another sound a final voice calling me boldly in and of course it is the voice of the lamb the lamb. We don't get all the meaning of it in Exodus chapter 12. But this morning as we come to the table of the Lord, I want to ask you one thing. <clears throat> if you're standing here at the front side of the day, here, and you say, I, I feel like I have nothing. What cue you? B no, B flat. this song seems to wrap up so much and I was sitting singing it to myself at home just playing and singing listen to to how the words go take me to the king I don't have much to bring my heart feels torn in pieces it's my only offering Come and listen. Think Revelation. Bring me to the throne and leave me there alone to gaze upon your glory and sing to you this song. Take me to the Lamb. (laughs) Take me to the King. I don't have much to bring My heart is torn in pieces This is my offering Bring me to the throne To worship Him alone And gaze upon His glory and sing to you this song. Bow your heads now, and we're going to stand. This needs to be done quickly. I want to identify two groups of people. First group, you're here today, and you've never prayed a prayer to invite the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, crucified for you to be the Lord of your life, to take the seat on the control, to take the control reins, the throne, if you will, of your life. today as you stand the first day of the new year you've heard the message what you need in more than anything else in this year is the lamb you need the lamb that lamb has the power to bring you out of where you've been take you through what you're going to face and bring you into a place of promise that is written in god's word because only he can open that book and pop the seals and get those promises to you if you're here today and you want to pray a prayer of faith right where you sit I'm not going to ask you where to stand I'm not going to ask you to get out of your seat I'm not going to ask you to identify yourself I am the only one looking around right now so just between you and God and me if you've never prayed that prayer I want you to just lift your head and your hand let me make eye contact with you please if you've never prayed that prayer I don't want to miss you if I am missing you you can pray that prayer right now sweetheart you know that right now is that your heart's cry I want to know him I want him in here the center of my life the Bible says this it says if you believe just take that step of faith that Jesus Christ was and is the Son of God and that he died on the cross for you for me and God raised him from the dead The Bible says you'll be born again it's a start it's that beginning we're talking about is that your heart's cry and you receive that in Jesus' name. You receive that in Jesus' name. You never prayed that prayer, angel? You just pray that with me. You heard what I just said to her, right? And that's the desire of your heart. You know, the, the cool thing, there's a story in Scripture. Listen to me. Jesus is hanging on the cross, and there's a thief next to him. And he says, I, I, I don't know who you are, but wherever you go today, can I go with you? And jesus said back to him today you'll be with me in paradise i've often thought how weird that must have been for suddenly when they died and then they go into another world and jesus shows up and i guess ostensibly and theologically there was someone with him and it could have been fairly asked of him what are you what are you doing here and i think his answer would have been i'm with the lamb i'm with the lamb i want you to know that from today forward you have a you have a new answer to give every voice that would rise up and say, you can't be this, you can't do that, or you've done this or failed here. Your first response to just accept this by faith is, I'm with the Lamb. I'm with the Lamb. You receive that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Sorry for the time. Not sorry for the time. Is there anybody else here? I don't want to miss you. Okay, well, let me ask you this. How many of you come to the first, this is for us believers, you know, you come into the new year and you say, oh man, here we are another new year. I made resolutions. I did this. I failed there. I didn't reach objectives. I didn't get here. I think, could you push all that to side? And I'm just going to ask this simple question that you can only answer from a heart level. This says, hey, Pastor Tom, I need God to imprint on me that first and foremost, the only thing I need to take the step off into this new year is the lamb it is the lamb I need him recentered in the center because it is him that will bring me out of 2018 into 2019 through it and into places of promise and I want that today firmly imprinted on my heart in a fresh fashion all over again just raise your hand amen yeah there are a lot of us here for that okay hallelujah go ahead and stand to your feet everybody would you do that Elders, those of you that have been asked to serve, we have four tables in the front, two in the back. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, it's a little bit past the time we normally dis- Normally dismiss, I get that. And I'll go ahead and dismiss. And you're free to leave if you like. And if you need to, for whatever reason, please don't feel bound. But I don't want to rush through this moment. I want to come to the table of the Lord, where in the words of Paul, he said, I received from Christ that which he conveyed to me that in the night in which he is betrayed, he came and he took the bread and he broke it. He took the cup and he gave it and he gave thanks. We don't believe that in some sort of transubstantiation that this bread becomes literally uh, Literally the body of Christ and the blood the cup juice becomes literally the blood But we do believe that in this act of worship. There's something appropriated You can't quite nail down and I have several things that I that I teach about this and and I'm not going to teach them But one came to mind that I need to tell somebody Did you know that this was called the, the, the Passover? They celebrated with unleavened bread. Are you aware that leavening was? Uh, originated from the land of egypt the whole process of 11 Go, go read encyclopedia Britannica; it's where it originated i find that fascinating that that was also the place of captivity listen and why he would say i want you to eat unleavened bread there are other reasons but that as we come to the table of the lord please understand i believe there was a poetic notion where god was saying i want you to understand that i'm bringing you out of the land that's held you captive and the leavening the fermenting of that whole slavery thing i want you to know that i have the power to take leavening out of you but what you're going to realize is while you're still in the land celebrating that i have the power to take that see um, please get this because i don't know that i bothered to go this far i assumed everybody would get it the yeast it's not actually yeast. leavening and yeast are different inherent compounds that which gets sewn into the lump and it begins to rise and distend and, 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 and become something it wasn't. By reason of that, God says, I'm removing any foreign agent that would make you something other than what I intended you to be. But he says, not only does the blood of the lamb have the power to take the leavening of sin out of you, but tomorrow morning you're going to discover that I have the power to take you out of the land of leavening itself. Man, we need to get that. That God would say today, I don't care what residue of sin may be in there trying to blow you up and distort and distend your life. Receive that. Father, somebody needs to receive that right now. That right now, by the power of the cross and the blood of the Lamb, the power to reach into their soul right now, and whatever leavens them, whatever proclivity, things that they've even wondered about, will this ever go away? Will it ever stop? Today, right now, as we stand before the table of the Lord and celebrate the Lamb of God, you have the capacity to reach in our soul and pull out that leavening. But not only that, you have the ability to take us and say, now you're going to leave the land that the leavening ever came from. And I'm going to swallow up any captor behind you. May that be our, our portion today. I love you. And I love, I love you and I praise you, Father, and I bless you. Now, you're going to leave where you are. You're going to come here. They're going to give you the bread and the cup. And as they do, hey, let's do this right now. Father, we give thanks for the bread. Lift up holy hands. We give thanks for the bread. The body of Christ broken for our sins, the cup of the new covenant. Father, in this table of the Lord, you've taken care of our past and you've paved our way to a new future. I pray for every person, every child of God. In the weeks ahead, Father, we're going to meet together one home at a time and say, you did it in church, now take it home. Take the lamb home. Take the lamb home. Take the lamb home. But right here, may we take it to the center of our life in the name of the living God. I love you and I praise you and I ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.